Hey, good morning, everybody. Y'all are distant today. We'll, we'll make do. We'll make do. Nobody wanted to sit right here at this table. That's amazing. Can't imagine why. Thank you all for joining us again today here in Next. Uh, podcasters, welcome to you as well. Um, glad to have all of you here today. We're starting a little bit early uh, because I have serious doubts about my ability to finish all of this today. Um, but we're going to push and try to get through. So I'm going I'm to start a little bit early and we'll see what happens. Um, but before I launch, I do want to say he's not here right now, but I do want to appreciate Aaron Duran for taking care of business last week here in Next. Heard good things about what he talked about with Upward Habits. Uh, we were ministering in Terrell, Texas last weekend, and I just want to publicly say I appreciate him taking care of that while we were gone. Today, we're going to endeavor, endeavor, I like that word, endeavor to finish our series on relational health called You Make Me Crazy. And uh, this is our 11th lesson, possibly our final lesson. If we've got to divide this one up into two, then that's what we'll do. But I want to try really hard to wrap this up today. Now, we're not done with relationships. We're going to be focusing on relationships all year long. Um, we'll shift gears a little bit next week. I do think it's pretty interesting that pastors started a new series on Wednesday nights called Healthy Relationships. He launched that series this past Wednesday night. I haven't uh, had time to talk to him yet about um, giving him a hard time for copying what I'm doing here next, but um, I'll take care of that at the earliest opportunity. But he mentioned three different types of relationships Wednesday night. For those of you that were here, I don't know if you caught this, but he talked about our relationship with God, our relationship with others, and our relationship with ourselves. And that sounded really familiar to me. Hopefully it sounded a little bit familiar to you nexters. But folks, I, I do think it's time that we all stop fighting God and just let him do a sovereign work in our lives. I think it's time for that. I think it's time to just raise the white flag and say, Lord, I'm going to let you do what you want to do. And, and what I mean by that is it's time to take the initiative. It's time to take the initiative. Make the call, Casey. Schedule the meeting. Take the trip. I'm talking to myself right here, too. Write the letter. Send the text. Have the talk. Just initiate. It's time to let God do a sovereign work in our lives and in our relationships, let God do some healing and let him do some, let him bring some resolution. It might be awful. You know what? It might be awful. Your worst fears might come true because people don't always recognize and respond to God's will, do they? That's why we've got the mess of the world that we live in. So, you know what? Whenever you initiate, it might just be that they reject you. It might be that they condemn you. They might curse at you. They might ridicule you because people are crazy. That might very well happen. But you know what? They might not. Did you ever think about that? They might not. They, they might say, thank you so much for reaching out. Thank you so much because you know what? I've been miserable too. I've wanted to say something to you, but I, I just, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to, how to start and I didn't think that you would listen to me if I did. So, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry, too. They might say that. They might say, I don't want things to be bad between us anymore. So I, I don't know what's going to happen whenever you initiate, but it's time. It's time to initiate. And I want to say it again. The quality of your life is in direct proportion to the quality of your relationships. 
And if you will improve and work on improving just, just one, just one relationship, it will change your perspective on the rest of your life. So, folks, God's talking. Are we listening? Are we listening? So let's try to wrap this one up today. Anybody else comes in late going to have to wind up sitting at this front table. And just, a little bit different setup today. I don't know if y'all noticed, but there's a heavy smell of garlic in the air. We've got a little chicken spaghetti going on here uh, this, this afternoon. But um, anyway, that's why we have a little bit different setup. You know, for the past nine weeks or so, we've talked about crazy makers. And really what we've talked about is how to handle difficult people. And more often than, than not, how to handle yourself whenever you're dealing with difficult people. And uh, I want this week, as we conclude, to be kind of a, a summary and, and a capstone of what we've covered about what God says about unhealthy and healthy relationships. So what I want to do is I want to take you through six steps that will help you keep your sanity. Uh, six steps that will help you counter the uh, countering the, the crazy makers in your life. And before we look at those steps, I want to take a little bit of time to review. You know, there are there are all types of different crazy makers. There are literally hundreds, if not thousands of different categories of crazy makers. But let's break them down into the six most common types. For those of you that are taking notes today, this will be the six most common types of crazy makers. Now, this is real. What I'm about to say is very important. So for those of you that are like zoned out right now, just just Turn, turn your ear on because what I'm about to tell you is really important. Listen very closely to these instructions. It's very important that I, as I go through these six types of, of crazy makers, and, and as some of you take notes on these different types of crazy makers, don't look at them. Don't look at them, okay? Don't, don't embarrass them. Don't call them out because these are, people that, these are people that we work with. These are people that we live with. These are people that we go to church with, that we sit beside in next, that we listen to while we're in next. So don't keep it civil. Just that's what I'm asking. Just keep it civil. So six common types of crazy makers. We'll go through these quickly. Uh, the first one we're going to call demanding, demanding six common types of crazy makers, demanding or the little dictators. These are the little Napoleons, the little Saddams. Uh, they're, they're bossy. They're pushy, they're controlling, they dominate every conversation, demanding. They turn every interaction into a power struggle. Some of you are thinking about somebody right now, just don't look at them. They make unrealistic demands. They make unrealistic demands on your time, on your life, on your schedule. They just, they push, 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 they're demanding and it drives you crazy. So the first one is demanding. Number two, disapproving, disapproving, or we'll call them the nitpickers. The nitpickers, they're, they're picky, picky, picky. They're highly critical. Your best is never good enough. It's never good enough. They always want more. They tend to be negative. They are unpleasable. They are perfectionists. And they love to point out your mistakes. They're disapproving crazy makers. No matter what you do, it's not good enough. And it, and it drives you crazy. They're nitpickers. The third type is the is we're just going to call deafening, deafening or the megaphones. They they're loud. They're loud. They they like to talk. 
Uh, they like to talk at 120 decibels whenever they talk to you. Uh, if, if you get a megaphone on the phone, you can just kiss 15 minutes of your life goodbye. You're not, you're never going to get that time back. It's done. It, it's sand down the drain. You're not getting it back. They, they talk and talk and talk. What they do is they talk you into surrender. Uh, they, until finally, you just hold up the white flag and you're like, I, I give up. You win. I, I, I give up. I surrender. And, and what happens is you finally wind, you just commit yourself to making noises at that point in the conversation. Mm, yep. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. It, it's not even a conversation at this point. It's, you're just waiting for them to pause long enough for you to make a not so subtle edit, uh, exit from the conversation. Just, you know, find a door. Oh, I'm sorry. We must have gotten disconnected. I'm not really sure what happened there. Uh, but the thing about the, the megaphones or, or the deafening uh, crazy makers is they, they absolutely love to argue they like to argue and they like to debate and it'll just, it drives you crazy, the megaphones. The fourth type are the destructives. The destructives or the volcanoes. We've talked about this type in here before, but these are the people that have uh, these unresolved anger issues. And it's very easy to spot them. Uh, they've got a temper like Mount Vesuvius. You never know when they're going to erupt, but when they do... Katie, bar the door. It's just scorching hot, burning lava, and, and they're, they're taking out everything in the path. You, you walk on eggshells whenever you're around them. Um, if, you're, if they're a family member, you might live in fear around them. Uh, the burn casualties are quite high around these people, the destructives. Number five are the discontented. The discontented, the crybabies. Uh, they get their feelings hurt very easily. Uh, they're very touchy. They're very thin-skinned. They, they like to moan and they like to mourn. They, they plan a daily pity party and they invite themselves. We've all got somebody like this in our lives. They're, they're the chronic complainers. They, they have a martyr complex and, and they complain a lot. And when they complain, they get this really nasal tone to their boys, Brian. Discontented crazy makers, they drive, Brian and I know somebody like that. They drive you crazy with their nasal whining. Yes, the discontented. And then finally, the demanding, the demanding or the smart mouths. These are the one who are there always running off at the mouth. They're rude. They're insulting. They're crass. They might cuss. They use caustic language. Uh, and, and more than just cussing and complaining, they're, they're bubble bursters. They, they like to bust your bubble. They like to, they like to tear your dream down. They take great joy in telling you how you don't measure up. Um, they can be disrespectful. They can be petty. They can be just downright mean. They're the smart mouths. And by the way, people who are rude all of the time, they're rude because they, they have these enormous insecurities. The more insecure a person is, or the more rude a person is, the more, the more uh, insecure they tend to be, or the more insecure a person is, the more rude they tend to be. The two are closely related. Now, what I want to do for the rest of our time together is give you some Bible, and quite a bit of Bible, on how to deal with these six types of crazy makers. The destructives, the, the demeaning, the, all of those. I'm going to give you six steps. We're going to call them ways to counter the crazy makers, six steps to counter the crazy makers. And if you're like me, which God help you if you are, 
uh, if you're like me, what you'll probably find is that each step gets harder than the one before. So we're going to progressively get more difficult as we go through these. And I'm going to tell you right now, the first one really isn't all that simple. So the first one's hard, but the second one's even harder and the third one's even harder. But this is the way that you deal with difficult people. This is the way that you counter the crazy makers. So six steps to counter the crazy makers. Y'all ready? All right, let's roll. The first one is refuse to be offended. Refuse to be offended. Being offended is a choice. Despite what our current culture teaches you, in which everyone is offended at everything all of the time, being offended is not something that someone else does to you. It's something that you allow someone else to do to you. You refuse to be offended. Don't take it personally. No matter what they say, no matter what they do, no matter how outrageous their behavior is, no matter what they insult me with, no matter how they react with their body language, when people are rude, folks, they're revealing themselves, not you. When someone's rude, they're revealing themselves. They are revealing what's in them, not what's in you. So when people are mean, when people are controlling, it's not saying anything about who you are. Somebody needs to get that today. When people are mean, it's not saying anything about who you are. It's saying everything about who they are. So don't be offended by it. It's not about you. They're just a crazy maker. Now, look, there are a lot of things in life that you should get offended by. A lot of things we should get offended by. We should get offended by injustice. We should get offended by racism. We should get offended by uh, abortion and, and by human traffic, trafficking, by poverty. Those are things that should bother us. But guys, whenever it comes to personal relationships, you know what God says? Y'all ready for this? Get over it. That's what he says. He says, get over it. As much as you can, try not to be offended by it. You know, you can have such a thin skin that everything and everybody offends you. And you're going to, if that's the way that you live, then you're going to be a very unhappy person. You've got to learn that emotional and spiritual maturity are largely determined by how you treat those who mistreat you. Some of y'all missed that. I'm going to say that again. How mature you are spiritually and how mature you are emotionally is largely revealed in how you respond to those that treat you poorly and how you respond to those that misunderstand you. I'm preaching to the choir right now. My wife's over there shaking her head. I'm not looking at her. But she's like, mm -hmm, preach to yourself, Jason, right now. Do I give tit for tat? Do I return insult for insult and injury for injury? If I do, then I'm no better than they are. Spiritual and emotional maturity are determined by my response to those six types of crazy makers. One of the keys to happiness in life, folks, is to just develop a thicker skin. What we need to pray, we need to pray this. God, give me a tender heart and a tough hide. You give me a tender heart and a tough hide, but usually we get the opposite. We get thin-skinned and tough-hearted. And God wants you to have a tender heart. He wants you to be compassionate. He wants you to be moved by the things that hurt people. 
so that he, he wants you to be compassionate, but he wants you to have a thicker skin so that everything doesn't just set you off. Somebody gives you the finger on the interstate. You don't lose your mind. Come on, that happens. I know we in Sunday school, but it happens. Some clerk with a jerk is rude to you whenever you're in the store. You don't go wind up making a scene that goes viral for all of the wrong reasons. Right? It's called having a thicker skin. Well, Jason, how do I do that? How do I keep from taking personal offense to crazy makers? How do I keep from getting so wound up by the, the demanding, the deafening, the destructive, and the demeaning people? Well, one way, first of all, is to just consider the source. They're a crazy maker. And that right there should help a little bit. Just try to ignore it as best as possible. Look, look at what the Bible says to do. Check this out. Proverbs 12 and 16. I'm going to give this one to you in the King James. So I'm really stepping out of the box today. It says, a fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. Check it out in the today's English version. Look at this. When a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known. Wise people will what? Ignore an insult. Wise people. Wise people will ignore. If you're wise, you will ignore an insult. If you react to an insult with an insult, the inverse is true. You're a fool. Foolish people give out what they get. Somebody hurts me, I hurt him back. Somebody makes a tacky statement about me, I make a tacky statement back. What wise people do is they look behind the behavior. We've talked about this at least twice throughout this series, maybe three times. When you're dealing with people who are offensive and irritating and annoying and crazy makers, you look past the behavior to the pain. You look past the behavior to the pain. Everything we do, guys, is motivated by something. And when people are hurting other people, it's because they're hurting. They've got a fear. They've got a wound from the past. They've got an insecurity. They've got a pressure in the current. And, and, and you don't know about it. And they don't know what to do about it. One of the best ways to avoid getting offended at their behavior is to look at the person, not the behavior. To look at the person and say, I, I wonder what's causing them to be that way. I wonder what's causing them to act that way. What, what's the pressure in their life? What's the, what's the old pain and the old wound that they have that's causing them to be so mean and hurtful to the people around them? The more you understand someone's background the more grace you're going to show them. We have a hard time. All of us have a really hard time giving grace to behavior. We have a much easier time giving grace to people that we understand. Mm -hmm. We don't cut them any slack because we don't know anything about their background. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 19 and 11 as the NIV says a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Isn't it amazing that this stuff is right there in the Bible? Wisdom gives you patience. And when you understand someone's background, that gives you insight into why they are the way they are. And you can overlook an offense. We're talking about real love here, folks. This is real love. 
The Bible says that refusing to be offended is an act of mature love. It shows how much love you have in your heart. The more love you have, the harder it is to offend you on a personal basis. The less love you have, the easier it is to offend you on a personal basis. Proverbs 10 and 12 says hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. Love overlooks the wrongs. Love covers up the wrongs. Love makes up for the offense. The more love I have, the more I'm going to overlook the wrongs of those demanding, demeaning, discontented, disapproving, destructive people. So step one, I must choose to refuse to get offended. I don't take it personally. Right, Julia? Mm. She hears all about my personal offenses in the afternoon. If I want to talk at all. Okay, number two. Um, don't wait. Step number two. Don't wait for mm, an apology. Don't wait for an apology. I'm trying to teach you how to counter the crazy makers. Don't wait for an apology. I think many of us have got some crazy maker in our, in our lives who has done some hurtful and harmful things. Maybe even done some hurtful and harmful things to people that we love and care about. And that tends to get our ire up even more. You can say something about me, whatever. You're a jerk. But you say something about my wife or my kids. And I'm in the stratosphere. So whenever they do something to hurt somebody we love, it really gets us wound up. And in our minds, we think. This is what we think. I know the Christian thing to do is to forgive them. And so I'm going to do it. I'm going to forgive them as soon as they give me an apology. And, and it better be the Jesus, it better be the right kind of apology. And, and it, it better come within a certain amount of time. Because if they don't sound sorry enough and if they don't look miserable enough. And if they wait too long, then Jesus is just going to give me a pass on forgiveness. Jesus says, you know what? You know what, Jason? They're not really sorry. They're not really sorry. Or they didn't say I'm sorry within, you know, a certain time on your calendar. So, you know what? They forfeit. You're off the hook. You're off the hook, Jason. You don't have to forgive them. Come on, man. Y'all know it doesn't work that way. The problem with that is, well, first of all, it's not biblical. But if that's not enough for you, the truth of that line of thinking is you're still holding on to that hurt. Listen, they may never ask you for forgiveness. You might be 20 years old now and die at 85. And that person that hurt you will never ask you for forgiveness. It might happen that way. They may never say to you, I'm sorry. Because they're a crazy maker. And they don't get it. They don't get it. They don't understand how they've hurt you. They don't even realize what they've done. And so you will spend, what will happen is you will spend precious days, precious weeks, months, and years of your life stewing over something that's not even a blip on their radar. And was, never was to begin with. And it's eating you up. It's eating you up inside. And resentment, guys, it just tears us up on the inside. And bitterness will poison us. And they're over there living symptom free. 
get out of the crazy car, folks. Don't take the ride to crazy town. Don't do it. So what you just say, you know what, even before anything else happens, I'm not going to wait on him to say this. I'm not going to wait on her to do that. I'm going to decide right here and now, maybe even right here this morning, while we're sitting here and next, I'm just going to forgive him. Question, is it smart to ignore God's directions? Some of you didn't respond. No, it's not. It is not smart. It's a dumb thing to do. Y'all say it. Jason, that's a dumb thing to do. It's a dumb thing to do because God gives us directions knowing who we are and loving who we are. And he gives us directions to make our lives the best, I can, best they can be. So if I ignore his directions, then that's dumb. It's illogical. It's irrational. It creates self-inflicted pain. And we'll scream to the high heavens about hurt that somebody does to us. But then, you know, it's okay for us to hurt ourselves because I harbor resentment. You already got hurt. Here's the deal. You already got hurt. So why double the pain by being dumb and ignoring God's directions about what to do about it? Forgiving doesn't mean you forget what happened and become a doormat. We're going to talk a little bit more about this later, but forgiving means you let go of the hurt that happened to you and you put that hurt in God's hands instead of holding on to it. Well, Jason, you don't know what they did to me. Jason, you don't know how awful that situation was. Jason, you don't know how many times I forgave them and they did the same thing to me again. Jason, you don't know. You're right, I don't. But you know what? Jesus does. Jesus knows. And Jesus lived this truth out even in the most extreme of circumstances. He is hanging on the cross and he says in Luke chapter 23, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Why? They don't know what they're doing. Nobody apologized to Jesus. He didn't wait on an apology. He said, forgive them now. They don't know what they're doing. Not everyone who's a crazy maker in your life realizes what they're doing. Now, I know we don't like them. You might even hate them. Let's be honest here this morning. But not every crazy maker in your life realizes what they're doing, what they've done. They're responding to their own insecurities. They're acting on their own hidden pain, and they don't know they're hurting the people around them. So what do you do? What do you do? When I'm having a hard time forgiving a crazy maker, and I know y'all probably don't struggle with this the way I do, but whenever I'm having a hard time, I remember what a hard time I gave God. I, I'm, a, I'm a real jerk to God sometimes. I really, I do him wrong sometimes. And you know what? He still forgives me. Colossians 3 and 13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So I don't like that one. I think I'm just going to cross that one out in my Bible. You might want to circle that verse. You might want to remember that one. God cut all of you some slack. He cut me some slack. So you got to cut that crazy maker some slack. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I want God's mercy. 
Folks, I need truckloads of God's mercy every day. So you know what that means? That means I've got to be merciful. Ugh. And it, it keeps me from being torn up by resentment and, and poisoned by bitterness. So step number two, you can't wait for an apology. Don't wait for an apology. Number three, now we're going to meddle a little bit. Refuse to gossip about them. Refuse to gossip about them. I told you these were going to get harder as we go along. Let's just admit it. When there is some crazy maker in your life and they just did it again, they just, they just did it again. It's one of the hardest things in the world not to get in your car, pull out your cell phone, punch the number, and say, you're not going to believe what they just did. Some of you don't even wait that long because while they're talking, while the crazy maker is talking to you, you you're texting. You're not, you're not going to believe what they're saying right now. They're doing it again right now. Yes, right now. That's what we do with crazy makers. We want to tell Somebody, we want to tell somebody else. <laughs> we're not, and we're not texting and calling those people. So they'll tell us, look, Coop, let it go. You know, they're not, I'm not calling or texting them. So they'll tell me, Jason, you know what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that in order for you to. That you for, if you've got love, then you forgive everything. I'm not. Then no, that's not what I'm calling them for, and that's not what you're calling and texting them for either. What we what we're doing is we want affirmation that they're the one with the problem, and we're all good. We want that. Oh, you know what, Jason? That you are so right, and, and they're just crazy. You know, you should just tell them. You should tell them exactly how crazy they are. We want that affirmation, and it it may feel good. <laughs> Who am I kidding? It feels really good. It does. Let's admit it. But you know what? It's unloving. It's unloving. And, and I'm pretty sure it's sinful. Proverbs 17 and 9 says, Whoever would foster love covers over, covers over an offense. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. That's not even a weird translation. That's NIV. What's gossip? What's, what's gossip? We know what it is. Here's a great textbook definition. Sharing information with someone who isn't part of the solution or part of the problem. That's gossip. They don't have anything to do with it, but you bring them into it so you can feel better about yourself. Gossip, in its essence, is a, it's a form of retaliation. You're getting back at them by talking about them behind their back. I'm sweating up here right now. And it's, incre it's incredibly destructive. The gossip, not the sweat. It's incredibly destructive. The hit, but here's the hidden twist. There's a hidden twist to gossip that you need to, you need to get, get into your brain. And, and it's this. Whenever you gossip about this crazy maker, whenever you're on the phone or you're texting or whatever... The crazy maker wins again. They, they win again. They get another victory out of it because they're controlling your conversation. They're dominating your time. They're controlling your emotions because you spend your day 
gossiping about them instead of some good thing, instead of some great thing that God's doing in your life. Don't let them win again by gossiping. 1 Peter 3, 9-10. New Living Translation says, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a... Are you kidding me? With a blessing. That's what God has called you to do, and He will grant you His blessing. For the Scriptures say, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep the tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Now look, you can gossip or you can get God's blessing. You're not going to be able to do both. You can keep your tongue from speaking evil and he will give you his blessing. It's up to you, but you have to refuse to gossip about them. Whew. Okay, number four. Refuse to play their game. Refuse to play their game. Crazy makers love to argue. They love to debate. They love conflict. Because that's how they get your attention. And if you, if you fall for this trap, what you're going to think is, because I, I have been through this, man. What you think is, if, if I could just explain to them, if, if I could just, just sit down with them, and get them to understand if I could have a conversation and show them how destructive they're being, then, then they would say, why, yes, you, you know what? You're, you're absolutely right. And Jason, I just, I did not realize. Thank you for reasoning with me. Thank you so very, very much for showing me how crazy I have been. It's so logical now that you've explained it to me. Here's why that's not going to happen. Crazy makers are crazy. And what that means is they didn't get to that position that they're in based on reason and logic. You can't reason them out of it. You can't talk people out of a behavior that they didn't talk themselves into. They didn't get that way by talking themselves from a position of logic and reasoning. They got into that behavior because of an emotion, not because of logic. They're motivated by feeling and not by reason. So your carefully crafted, delicately phrased, logical approach to fixing their crazy, it's not going to amount to diddly squat. Probably less than that. I'm not really sure what the exact numerical value is of a diddly squat, but it's pretty low. They didn't get that way based on facts. They're crazy. They got that way based on feelings. And so you showing them the facts and explaining to them the facts is probably, it's probably just going to make them mad. That's probably what you're going to get. They're, they're just going to get mad. So refuse to play their game. And there are lots of examples of this in the Bible, but one of the best examples is Jesus. Jesus didn't play games with people. There were crazy makers in Jesus' life too. They were called Pharisees. Interestingly enough, they were supposed to be religious. And they hated Jesus. And they were always trying to trap him and twist him up and get him to make a mistake. And they were always playing mind games with Jesus. Matthew chapter 22, we're going to look at this in the message 
And I don't know how much of this Haley put up there, but just look at the first part of this. That's when the Pharisees plotted a way to trap him into saying something damaging. And then later on, it says Jesus knew they were up to no good. He said, why are you playing these games with me? Why are you trying to trap me? Jesus, he wouldn't fall for it. He, he wasn't going to be pulled into their crazy making games. People, people are going to believe what they want to believe about you. Okay, I'm an assistant principal at a 5A high school. People believe all kinds of stuff about me, and I typically see it written on the bathroom wall. And it, you know what? It does. It hurts my feelings. It really does. It hurts my feelings. But you know what? They're going to believe what they want to believe about me. And they're going to believe what they want to believe about you. Some of y'all probably wrote some of that stuff about your assistant principal on the bathroom wall. But you know what? They did it. They do it with me. They did it with Jesus. If they want to believe bad things about you, then they're going to look for bad things about you. If they want to believe good things about you, then they're going to look for good things about you. Prejudice, guys, has its own reasoning. Prejudice has its own reasoning, and you can't talk people out of prejudice because it's an emotionally based decision. So, you know what? Just save your breath. Don't, don't even go there. Don't play those games. Don't waste your time. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 and 2, we reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the will of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. No games. I'm not going to play your games. The reason this is important is because crazy makers use conflict to get your attention. They use conflict to get your attention. Everybody has this deep need to be loved. We want to be accepted and validated. We, we want approval. And if you can't get approval, you'll settle for attention. Either good or bad. It doesn't matter. It's a human drive. It's a human need. And you see it. You see it in the bizarre behavior of small children and teenagers. You look and you're like, what? And what is wrong with that kid? They're, they're seeking attention. They have this need for approval. And if they can't get approval, then they seek, they seek that attention through sometimes drastic and very bizarre means. So crazy makers, what they do is they try to hook you through conflict. And it used to not be as big of a deal because you could get away from it. But now you're exposed to it 24-7 through social media. So some crazy maker posts something, some off-the-wall comment on social media, and you're like, ooh, I'm going I'm to tell them. Clickety-click, tappity-tap, here I go. And you're hooked. You're drawn into the conflict. You're playing the game. The crazy maker's like, got him. Got him. I hooked a big one. Got him. So stop wasting your time. God, stop wasting your time arguing online with a self-righteous 16-year-old who has infinite amounts of free time. They're not going to run out of foolishness and they're not going to run out of free time. Stop wasting your time arguing. 250 years before the invention of the internet, Thomas Paine said this, arguing with someone who has renounced the use of reason is like administering medicine to the dead. It's a waste of time. Don't play their game. Don't get sucked in. Proverbs 26, 21 says a quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers light charcoal or fire lights wood. You got it? Really? You got it? 
They want to keep the argument going. They, they want to find their meaning and value in keeping that argument going. Don't get drawn into that. How many people does it take to argue? Two. So, if you don't want to argue and you leave the situation, is there an argument? Y'all think about it. Refuse to play their game. Number five. All right, here we go. Refuse to cave in. Refuse to cave in. Now, some of y'all are like, yeah, I like this one. I like that one. Don't give in to the crazy maker. You don't allow them to manipulate your life. Love is not passivity. Love is not passivity. Love is not about being a doormat. Many believers, they don't, they don't get this. A lot of Christian people think that the way to respond to a crazy maker is to let them have their way, to submit, to lay down. There is not a single verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt be a doormat. It's not in there. We've mistaken, what we've done is we have mistaken the humility and the meekness of Jesus for passivity. And it's not the same thing. Forgiveness is instant and given by grace. Trust is earned by works and takes time. Let's say that again. Forgiveness is instant and given by grace. Trust is earned by works and takes time. Let's not confuse the two. Forgiveness doesn't mean I'm going to let you keep on hurting me. The Bible teaches us not to give in to crazy makers. Romans 14 and 16 says... Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. Don't let it. Don't allow it. Don't cave in. Folks, meek isn't weak. The word meek, this is fascinating to me. The word meek in Scripture is the Greek word praus, and it literally means humble, mildness of disposition, gentleness of spirit. Greek word praus for meekness. But you know what? The same word, praus, was used to describe horses that had been brought down from the mountains and disciplined for battle. Wild stallions were brought in and broken for riding. Some of them were used to pull wagons. Some were raced and the others were trained for warfare. And they restrained their fierce spirit courage and power, but were disciplined enough to respond to the slightest pressure from the rider's legs. They could gallop into battle at 35 miles an hour and come to stop at a single word. They weren't frightened by arrows or by spears or by torches, and they were said to be meeked. These stallions became submissive, but not spineless. The difference. They embodied power under control, strength with forbearance. I love that phrase. Meekness is demonstrating power under control. That's how we forgive those who hurt us. That's how we can be the first to apologize. That's how we can withhold those spiteful replies. That's how we can be a servant to others because we're meek. We demonstrate power under control. We refuse to cave in. Paul told the Corinthians, stop caving in, stop giving in to the bullies. Second Corinthians 11 and 20 says you put up with it when someone enslaves you. Takes everything you have, takes advantage of you, takes control of everything and slaps you in the face. 
God doesn't expect you to be a doormat. Paul wrote a book about it. It's called the book of Galatians. Paul went to the city of Galatia. He established a church. He left and moved on. And then right behind Paul, there came this other group. They were called the Judaizers. And what they did was they came into the church in Galatia, this brand new church, and they said, you know, all that stuff that Paul taught you about grace, that's really good. That's good stuff. You need to do that. But to that, you also need this rule. You need this law. You need this tradition. And they loaded all of these new believers who were Gentiles down with all of these rules, laws, regulations, and traditions that were Jewish law. So Paul, right, and, and the believers there in Galatia, they were suffering. They were suffering under all of that. And so Paul writes a letter to him. He says, what are you guys doing? What, what are y'all doing? Jesus, where did your freedom go? Jesus set you free from all of that. He set you free from sin. He set you free from death. But he also set you free from the expectations of others. You're not living for somebody else. You're living for Jesus. You're living your life according to his plan. Galatians 5 and 1 says, Christ, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Folks, don't let somebody else box you in. Don't let somebody else's expectations limit how you live for Jesus. Don't let them restrict you. Jesus didn't. This is funny to me. In Matthew chapter 15, the disciples came to him and asked, do you realize that you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Jesus replied, every plant, not every plant, not planted by my heavenly father will be uprooted. So ignore them. They, they came to Jesus They're like this is God in flesh. And the disciples come to him and say, uh, Jesus, I don't know if you realize this or not, but kind of offended the religious leaders. So maybe you want to do that a different way. And, and this is what Jesus said. Ignore them. Ignore them. Ignore the crazy makers who want you to play their game because I'm not going to play that game. I didn't just come to rewrite the rules. I am the rules. Ignore it. I'm not going to cave into that mess. We said this a couple of weeks ago. Even God can't please everybody. So you would be a fool to try to do what even God cannot. Don't cave in. Oh, man, I got one more. Can we do it? If you got to go, I know you folks, I'm, I'm with you. If you got to go, go. I'm going to cover one more and we're going to be done. Number six, always take the high ground. Always take the high ground. Always do the right thing. Whether they do it or not, you do the right thing. They insult you, you don't do it back to them. They're mean to you, you be nice to them. You can't control what other people do. You can't control what other people say. But you do have control over how you respond. That's your choice. You can be better and, be, and respond in a way that pleases God. What they think of you has no control over what you think of them. Who? You choose how you think about them. You choose how you feel about them. You choose what you say about them. Romans 12 is like the treatise on this whole thing right here about taking the high ground. I'm going to look at three verses and then we're, we'll roll. It says, bless those who persecute you. Well, Jason, I'm not being persecuted. Scratch out persecute right in. Make me crazy. Bless those who make you crazy. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Real love isn't about loving someone who's lovable. 
It's easy to love me because I'm cool. It's easy to love y'all because y'all are cool. Real love isn't, love, isn't about loving lovable people. It's about loving the unlovable. Thank you, Jesus. That's what you did for me. Romans 12, 17 through 18 says, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Finally, Romans 12 and 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Folks, if you will follow, because they don't teach you this stuff in school and the culture doesn't teach you this, but if you will follow what the Bible says to do with crazy makers, you will have the smile of God on your life. And he will make it. Look at this in Proverbs 16 and 7. When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. That's a promise that's in the book. If you will treat those crazy makers in a way that pleases God, then he will make it so that even your enemies have to live in peace with you. I want all of that. I want that for our, our lives. I want it for my life, how we deal with our relationships, even the relationships we have with crazy makers to be so pleasing to God that even makes our enemies live at peace with us. Let's pray and we'll go. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us all the stuff about crazy makers and how to have a better relationship with them in our lives and, and how to respond and react to them. We need it. We need it so desperately. Lord, help this stuff to stay in our brains and be in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to send these to you for those of you that are signed up on Next for Mind. You'll hear from me this week. Y'all have a wonderful day.